0: Hallelujah. Glory to your name. It's up to you whether you keep going. It's up to you whether you take another step. It's up to you whether you decide to stay where you are or go deeper into the things of God. It's up to you. It's not up to your friend. It's not up to your mate. It's not up to your parents. It's not... a not up to anybody else it's up to you whether you take one more step how deep do you want to go how full of the things of God do you want to be how well do you want to know him it's up to you it's up to you. It's up to you to go deeper, to desire with all of your heart. To find to find out who God has really made you to be. No one else can get you there no one else. It's not their responsibility to carry you there. It's your responsibility to say, God, I want you. I want you. I want more of you. I want all of you. I want the kind of relationship that you desire. Oh, hallelujah. That you desire for us to have. One more step. (laughs) step. One more 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 step, knowing and recognizing the leading of the Holy Spirit, knowing and recognizing the Spirit of God moving within you moving around you and moving through you knowing who He's called you to be and taking one more step What if you took one more step? Great are you, God. Great are you, God. Great are you, God. Great Are you God? Great are you, Lord. Hallelujah. who has ears to hear, let him hear. Father, we do thank you this morning that you're here amongst us. Thank you for your presence here. Thank you for your Holy Spirit dwelling within us. Lord, this morning, have your way. Your will be done. As for me, Lord, I take (laughs) one more step. Thank Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, that you call us. You draw us to you to keep coming closer. Father, I repent for when I don't. Thank you, Lord God, that your mercies are new every morning and that your love for us never wanes. And that this day, this day, you're calling each and every one of us closer to you. Not one left out, not one disqualified, not one, not one person within the sound of my voice is in any way, shape, or form not included in that invitation. It doesn't matter where you are in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Whether you have walked with Him for years or you have never once welcomed Him into your life, today, He is calling you to one more step. You've come up against it a number of times. You, you could tell He was drawing you closer a number of times. And sometimes you have backed away, and maybe every time you've backed away. Today is a new day. Today. Today is the day of salvation. Yes, yes. that's right. Today, He calls you. And as the Word says, as He calls you today, don't shrink back one more time. Today, take that step. Deeper with Him. Further with Him. Closer to Him. One more step. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you have never received Him as your Savior, yes. repented of your sin, yes. asked Him to be a part of your everyday life, and made and allowed Him to be the Lord of your life. If you've never done that this morning, I want to give you an opportunity. Right where you're sitting right now, right where you're standing right now, this morning you can make that choice you can say okay Lord I'm not backing away this day I may have backed away before I may have rejected you before but Lord I hear that invitation today and the choice to make that one more step is a a heart choice it's a decision you make in your heart It's a conversation with Him. Repenting of your sin. What does repentance mean? Repentance means that you are are sorrowful sorrowful for your sin and you turn around and you won't do it anymore. You change the way you think. I'm not living that way anymore. I want to live for Jesus Christ. You invite Him into your life. You declare Him as the Lord of your life. What does that mean? He gets to be the boss. He gets to be in charge from here on out. Jesus Christ, you are Lord of my life. If you've never said that with your mouth, today's the day. Say, Jesus, from here on out, you get to be Lord of my life. Come into my life. Fill me. Live in me. Live through me. And then you begin to obey Him. The Bible also says that unless you confess Him before man, He will not confess you before His holy angels. He will not acknowledge you. So it's also important to say something, to tell somebody, I made a decision today. Maybe it's the person you came with. Maybe it's your wife. Maybe it's your mom. Maybe it's your dad. Maybe it's your who maybe it's somebody tomorrow morning at work. And you say I made a decision yesterday to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. And the Bible says that when you confess him as Lord, you are saved well, wait a second, but I'm not perfect yet. I I still have things in my life that are a mess. Well, you get the rest of your life to deal with that. Let Him deal with that. You don't have to make yourself perfect. You don't have to jump through any hoops other than what the Bible says you do, and that's confess Him as Lord. Believe in your heart, confess Him as Lord, and you are saved. Tell somebody today that's a decision that you made. Hallelujah. Why don't we all stand? Greet one another. All right. So we were talking about leadership within the church. That's the overall, uh, the overall topic, the overall heading of this. Started going through the ministry gifts defined on page two: apostles, prophets, evangelists, and shepherds. uh, Got that far. Listen to last week's tape. I would do I'd do a summary, but you know, just listen to last week's recording. And, uh, you'll get all of that. It's, uh, it's good. You can listen to it online. You can, you can get a, get a call, uh, get a part of that all kinds of different ways. The fifth, uh, area is teachers. So, we're talking about the five-fold ministry. Uh, prophets, uh, pro- apostles, prophets, uh, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And so the the fifth part here is teachers. Now you might think, well, you know, is that Sunday school teachers? Is that uh youth group teachers? Well, it may be. Someone may have a, a gift of teaching on them to teach, and, and some people do and some people don't. Some people are teachers in those areas and don't necessarily have that that anointing to teach but they have an anointing to help, be there, be a a life. And that's good, we need those kinds of people too. Just because you don't have the special gift or the special anointing of a teacher on you doesn't mean that you can't be a part uh, of of helping someone else grow in Christ. But there are certain people who have that gift. It's a gifting, that uh, a calling on them to be teachers. They can't help but teach. And everything they do is line upon line. It's 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 uh, uh, decently in an order, and they put it into a package. And when you listen to them, you just go, "Whoa! I have never heard anything so amazing." It causes you to grow in such a way that is supernatural. There are people I've known some some men and some women in the body of Christ, who are, they are, there's no question whatsoever that they are, have that gifting, that, that ministry gift upon them to teach. You could probably name them off. I'm not going to give them any free press, uh, here this morning. But, uh, I've had some, some people that are maybe not big names you've seen on television, but that are just, that are just regular people that, that teach in the church. Uh, minister around in different places that have that same gift it, there's something about that you get you get so much out of everything that they say but they are also somebody who is they, they don't they don't mess around the word is the word the word is very true it's not changeable you don't mess with the word you know it, the one thing about people who are have that gift of teaching if they hear somebody you know take liberty with the bible ooh, watch out they just—they don't like that. That's—and that's good. That's what the body needs. That we need purity. We need—we need structure because there's so much goofiness out there. That's the—that's the John Neitzel version of that verse that says every wind of doctrine. There's all kinds of goofiness out there. But we, we need the truth of the word. And, and, and the, there are people who are gifted. The body needs all five of these gifts. The prophet, the apostle, the teacher, the, the pastor, and the evangelist. And why? Because they need to do all the work within the church. <laughs> Thank you, whoever that brave one was that said, um, No, that's not right. What is the job of the fivefold ministry? To do all the work in the church. Oh, that's right. It does say that, doesn't it? He has placed the, the, these people within the body to train the saints, to train the saints to do the work of the ministry. Train the saints. Now, does that mean that they don't do anything? No. A lot of their teaching, a lot of their their the way they, they help uh, the body grow up is by showing them how to do it. What has happened over the centuries, though, and it actually didn't take too long. It wasn't much into the into the early centuries when when the priests or the, uh, the 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 pastors the the priests the the leaders of the church became the church and all and and they were the ones who did all the stuff and everybody else hey we'll pay, we'll pay you to do it cuz i'm busy i can i can i can spend more time and my time better uh you know working hard and making lots of money and i'll pay you to do it and then it became you know well you're the man and as long as I know you, as long as I get to hang out with you, I'm okay. I have, I have actually heard people say, well, I have, a, I have a, a, a brother-in-law who's a pastor. That means I'm in, right? Or I have a, I have a son or a daughter who's a minister, In this way, oh, i got an inside line. No, you don't. You only have an inside line if you have an inside line, if you have the relationship. But within the body... We're all supposed to be a part of ministry. We're all supposed to be a part of uh, doing the things. Now, I'm preaching to the choir. You guys are amazing. Most of you (laughs) are amazing. But by doing the work of the ministry, so what's the work of the ministry? Well, it could be as something as grandiose, amazing, and powerful as sorting candy on Wednesday night the 17th. I mean, that isn't, you know, wait a second, that doesn't sound very spiritual. Oh, it's extremely spiritual. Because as you're sorting that candy, you can be praying over that candy. You could be blessing that candy. And every time that little kid takes another 470 calories into his body, (laughs) he is receiving, not only that, rotting his teeth out, but. He is also being spiritually blessed beyond measure. You know what I'm saying. How else? How, what's another super, supernaturally powerful uh, ministry opportunity that you could be a part of? You could deliver the gifts on that Saturday. See how I just use the, you know, the sermon to reinforce the announcement. It just works really well that way being a part of the ministry. Cookie ministry is an extremely important ministry within this church. Cookie and coffee. Glory to God. Now you might think, well, that's funny, but it's true. Do you know that when uh, when we first came here, uh, this the people that were here, the, the this body, you know, church would get done at 11 or 3, and those who were there remember. <laughs> yes, I'm not kidding. But he'd get down at 11, and, and it was like you just had to be, make sure you weren't in the way. Because this place would clear out as quick as you could imagine. And I think it was Carrie who said one time, I think we need, to get a, I think we need a cookie and coffee ministry. And you, start put a, you put a tray of cookies out and some coffee, and instant fellowship broke out. <laughs> Whoa, I didn't know you guys go to this church. Nice to meet you. No. Laughter. But instant relationship, instant fellowship. I mean, there's been more ministry done between, within the body over coffee and cookies than prayer lines. Now, prayer lines are important. Prayer lines are very important. But coffee ministry, cookie ministry, that is an important ministry. And you might think, well, some of the, most, the smallest things can be some of the most important. Whoa! I think I heard that from Jesus. Didn't he say that a seed so small as a mustard seed as it grows the 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 minute, we will be absolutely amazed and probably the one who'll be the most amazed is this fo- is these folks right here that when they get to heaven the fruit that is accounted unto them because of their faithfulness little things little things what are who are you supposed to be how do you fit into this well the body of these these ministers these five full ministers are the ones who help you get there they teach sermons they preach the evangelist and it's a well-balanced organization we don't we don't fall too much on the prophet Ooh, we need prophets we need a prophetic word from a person who's anointed to be a prophet. Because it gets, it, 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 it gets us in the right uh, calibration, was the word I'm thinking of. From a guy who does calibrating all day long. Yes, exactly. But if, we, if it was all about the prophet, well then we would be unbalanced. Praise God for the evangelist. Because it's not just about us, guys. It's about them. Balance. All about us, all about them. Then there's the apostle. Because if all we ever did was stay here, and we never went somewhere else, never went and began new things, we'd be ingrown. But then you have the pastor who's like, oh, come on, guys, we can do it. Every week you get to hear the same sermon. It's really interesting. I'll, I'll tell you a secret insight. There have been times where I've preached the same sermon over and over and over again, and most people have no idea it happened. That's a good pastor right there. Wow, this is the first time I've ever heard this. No, it isn't. You're hearing it over and over and over, To all of a sudden you think it's your idea. Have you ever seen the movie Inception? It happens here every day. (laughs) While you're asleep, I put No, I'm just kidding. But the body of Christ needs the fivefold ministry to train the saints to do the work of the ministry. I'm going to put one more in here. You see it in your notes, you see it up on the on the slide is the elder because people say, well, within the church, within the early church, there were elders. Who were the elders? What were the elders? And the elders, because uh, Paul said, he says, you know, he he went and they established elders in these towns. And the the elders were in charge of something. They were in charge of the church. They were the leaders of the church. Who are the elders? Are they another group? Or, I believe, they are a conglomeration of the five-fold ministry, people who have the gifts that are leading within that body. Now, there can be others who are elders. There can be people who have gifts that don't have a full-time job. There are people who have anointings who don't have a full-time job within the ministry, don't get a paycheck from the ministry people who lead well, people who everybody respects. And and those people are, you know, uh, in many churches. And Here's where I'm going to stop for just a second. I've had a lot of people talk to me this week. For those of you who have called me father, you're very funny, (laughs) ha-ha. Because if you weren't here last week, I talked about you don't have, you know, pastor is not a title, it's a a job description. Yeah, so very funny, ha-ha. Now, but... Within the church, there's all kinds of you coming from many different backgrounds. How many of you here, we won't put this on tape, just focus the camera on me. How many of you grew up Baptist in any way, shape, or form? Whoa. Only three. Wow. Well, we'll get the rest of you saved. All right. So, (laughs) how many of you grew up Methodist? Okay. There's a few. Good, good, good. Lutheran. Oh there you are. Yes, this is Minnesota, isn't it? Yes. Catholics. Yes, there you are. Uh-huh. Yep, yep, yep. All right, yeah. Uh what have I forgotten? Oh, how many grew up Pentecostal? Yeah, yeah exactly. Where's the chandelier, baby? You notice when I started with Baptists? It was Then yeah. there's the Pentecostals. Oh yeah. We need bigger aisles. We can roll down those babies. <clears throat> How many of you did not grow in the church? Go up in the church at all? Yeah. A few. Yeah. So, but what my point in with that is, you all, we all come from different backgrounds, and within those churches. There were all kinds of different governmental ruling. Yep. Everything from top down to bottom up. And to nothing. No ruling. What? No. Or coming out of the, the, no uh, experience whatsoever with, with church or any of that kind of stuff. And you come into it and go, there's, there's leadership? Why? Or any other number of questions. But within those histories, are they all right? Or are they all wrong? Are they all good? Are they all bad? Is there one way that the Bible talks about that you run a church? This is how a church exists. There is a biblical model. Absolutely there's a biblical model. And that's the way we want to run the church. We want to run the church biblically. In the Bible, in the New Testament, how many times, and I came from a Baptist church, where, well, actually, the very first church I ever went to was a congregational church. And they voted on everything. And I mean everything. No decision was made without everyone voting on it. Well, we ended up leaving that church. Only because, and here's why, the pastor of that church, who was absolutely amazing, absolutely amazing. The church one decides, a number of people decided it's time for him to go. So they called a congregational vote. And the majority, or the, the group who wanted him gone, decided to lobby the other groups until they had enough, till they had a majority to kick him out. And I remember being at the meeting because my folks brought me to, I was there in the back of the, the room for whatever reason. And I remember my dad standing up. My dad never spoke in church, ever. But I remember this. He stood up and he said, this is wrong. He said, what you're doing tonight is wrong. And if you do this, we're gone. And they did it and we were gone. Because it was wrong. You know, there, there are... there the. the Majority vote doesn't even work in the world. Why would we think it works in the church? When, uh, the only, I was going to ask the question how many times in the New Testament do you see them voting? Remember Judas Judas killed himself and while they were in the upper room? They decided that uh, they needed to fill the spot because they were in the Word, and the Word said that the, his spot needed to be filled. Now, they didn't actually probably vote. They cast lots, rolled the dice. That's even a better way to run that church. Well... <laughs> Here's for the green paint on the wall. All right, let's go. <clears throat> we don't do that anymore because within this body there'd be too much side betting going on. And we'd be having a... And they, they, they got Matthias. How many times is Matthias mentioned after that vote or after that election? Never. You don't hear about him. Who do you hear about? Paul. Who was the replacement? It was Paul. How did he get replaced? God picked him. (laughs) Majority of one. Amen. (laughs) But we all came out of many different things. We all came out of many different relationships within churches. Some worked, some didn't. So what's biblical? The Bible talks about elders. Elders and what are elders the bible you know timothy titus a few other places talk about the qualification of who an elder can be but it doesn't say a lot about what they do it says that they lead they teach they they do a lot of things but that's also what the ministers within the churches do pastors prophets apostles other people can be elders Every church, you, you, like I say, you, you you name any church you came out of this. There have been churches. Well, let me go through a few here. I'll give you some examples of how it's been used in the past. Go with First uh, Peter chapter five. First Peter chapter five, beginning with verse one. Here's Peter's exhortation. It says, so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. So. Peter was an elder, he considered himself an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock. So the elders are to shepherd the flock. They're to lead the flock. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. "'not under compulsion, but willingly, "'as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, "'not domineering over those in your charge, "'but being examples to the flock. "'And when the chief shepherd appears, "'you will receive the unfading glory of God, "'or the unfading crown of glory. "'Likewise you who are younger be subject to the elders.' Clothe yourselves, of all all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. the The elders are encouraged to shepherd. What does a shepherd do? Uh, this is right straight out of the Blue Letter Bible. It's all it's it's the notes within uh, and surrounding the the Strong's Concordance. There, it says a shepherd in the Near East was responsible for watching out for enemies. Trying to attack the sheep, defending the sheep from attackers, healing the wounded and uh, the wounded and sick sheep, finding and saving lost or trapped sheep, loving them and sharing their lives to earn their trust. So elders, overseers, shepherds, they need to be able to lead, protect, train, teach and correct. Restore and care for the flock. Acts chapter 14, The apostles appoint some elders. Acts chapter 14 verse 21. When they had preached the gospel to that city and made, had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that though or through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. When the apostles appointed elders in every church, they appointed one for each did they appoint one for each church? No three five? No, we don't know there's, there's no set number of how many elders. Are to be in any one church. So the, the disciples are out, they're starting churches, they're going out, doing the things that God or that the, the Lord had led them to do. And while they did it, they appointed elders. They appointed people to shepherd that flock, lead that flock, care for that flock, take care of them. Here at River Valley, and, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment or next week. The way we're set up is is a is a elder led an elder uh, controlled. That's the, I don't want to use the word control, huh? Not even influence. Led It's probably the best way to say it. An elder led church. Now the elders happen to be the pastors. They have that's the job that that we have as as, as pastors. Pastor Greg, myself, Pastor Karen. B- well. I don't want to get too far, because there's there's more. You can read ahead, because I want to talk more about what we do specifically, how we do that. Because within this church, there are also many other groups that help lead. Are they pastors? Are they shepherds? Are they elders? You can put a title on whatever you want. Remember I said it's not a title? It's a job description. Titles get sticky, because where do they break down? Unless you have a, a, it gets sticky. We're going to go over this. Like I say, read ahead, and you'll have a better idea where I'm headed with this. The offices, what are the offices and roles within those elder areas? This is some traditional church leadership structure. In most churches you have uh, have experienced, there are a number of possible combinations of elders, pastors, deacons that lead in a number of different ways. There's the elder board-led church, a group of elders who are elected by the congregation who are responsible for the oversight and management of the church direction, finances, pastoral selection, and overall scope of the running of the church. These elders serve for a set number of years and for terms as deemed by the church constitution. Other leaders, called deacons, have oversight of small areas of responsibility such as church maintenance, Sunday school classes, and possibly a men's women's ministries, and many others. Cookie ministry. Pastors are hired to preach, teach the Word of God, and may be given some authority in the direction and implementation of the vision of the church, but not always. Many times in an elder, elder, strictly an elder-run church, they're the ones who set the direction. Okay. Another one, pastoral board-led church. A group of pastors who may have founded the church at the beginning share responsibilities and duties to lead and oversee the congregation. Usually one of the pastors has a greater leadership responsibility than the others and will be seen as the lead pastor. Other roles that may be assumed as worship pastor, youth and children's pastor, or any number of other group pastors. These leaders may lead for years and when they leave the church be replaced by an appointed appointment of another pastor uh, rather than by a congregational calling or vote. Within this kind of church structure, there may be any number of individuals or committees that run other ministries and groups. They may be an advisory group, they may that may or may not be called an elder board or a deacon board. This pastoral board is mainly responsible for setting and the implementation of vision and organization. So, and then there's many others. You name it, you've seen it, fill in the blank. I'm just going to read the first line here and then we'll dismiss for today. So how do we do it? RVCC was originally founded and established by Pastor Dan Dennison in 1988 as a pastoral-led church. Not as a a group of pastors, not as a elder board run, not as a congregational vote. It was originally set up as a pastoral-led church, which means that the senior pastor of the church has other folks who are other elders, who lead, who teach, who direct, who, who cast vision, uh, so on and so forth, and are responsible for those areas, But then there are many other ministry, many other ministry leaders within that, with underneath that structure that actually do the work of the ministry, day-to-day, really important stuff. We're going to talk about that at length next week, but it's time to receive communion. And all week long in getting ready, ah, no, never mind. I was going to say a joke, but it doesn't fit. It's time to receive communion. The most important part is we're a body. We're a body. We're, we're the body of Christ. And the head is not me. The head is Jesus. We all need to follow Jesus. It's the great thing about the body. Actually, it's the great thing and it's also the scary thing. Is that the body, the body all hears the voice of the head. They should, anyway. They do, whether they admit it or not. We all hear the head, and he leads us and guides us. That's why my job is so easy. Because this body is mature. This body operates most of the time flawlessly, seamlessly. Are there opportunities? Absolutely but we're led by the church, or by the by the head of the church, Jesus Christ. And as we're all led by the body, we then fulfill the part that God has given us. When Jesus was about to die on the cross, with that night when he, when he instituted the Last Supper, He said, this is my body broken for you. He was talking about how His body was He was, by prophetically, he was saying that I'm going to die tomorrow. And when I do, this is for you. As often as you do this, as often as you have this meal together, do this in remembrance of me. And then he said, this is my blood. At the end of the meal, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood shed for you. The blood of the new covenant. shed for the remission of sins. When we receive this meal together, we're all eating of the same loaf and then drinking of the same cup, symbolically. And in the Eastern world, when you did that, it was a symbol of family. It was a symbol of relationship. It was a symbol of of all of us being of the same body, the same group. This morning, as we're about to receive, the Bible also talks about how we're to receive worthily. We're supposed to check ourselves. We're supposed to take stock in our lives. Are we walking in love with one another? Are we, are we, listening to the head, Jesus. Are we walking in unity with our neighbors? And not just the ones we like. Not just the ones we want to be with. But are we walking with the body in in unity as he desires? Are we living in such a way that the body is exhibited no matter where we go? The body of Christ. And as we do that today, it's important. It's important to know that you're a part. At the beginning of the service, I actually shared the, the way to become a part of the family. When you get saved, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're a part of the family. And this morning then, because you are, You can receive this meal. You couldn't before, worthily, and not because there's some regulation or rule saying you can't, but because Jesus said, you want to do this right. Paul said, you want to do this right. So as we partake of communion this morning, receiving the bread and the... And the juice, fruit of the vine. Let's seek God. Father, we come before you this morning as the body. And we ask you, Lord, to illuminate our hearts. Illuminate our minds. Illuminate our lives. Fill us with your light, Father. Let there be no exposed or unexposed area in us. Father, we humbly come before you and we ask you, Father, to forgive us where we've messed up. Forgive us where we've fallen short. Forgive us where we've sinned. Father, we repent this morning of areas that have not glorified you in every way. And Father, we humbly come before you this morning and we say, Lord, even today, live more, live bigger, live more powerfully through us. And Father, we thank you for what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Lord, this morning we do remember what you did for us that day. In Jesus' name, amen.